Hello everybody, Vincent Van Patten here. Welcome to episode 105 of the Dare to Dream podcast. Today is a bit of a different kind of episode. Um, I sat down with Shannon Keating, who is the host of the podcast, Unmasked and Open Hearted. And she had me on her show to just talk about being in Japan, the writing journey, uh, travel, and everything in between. And this was truly one of the most open-hearted conversations that I've ever had. So it's not just in the title. It really did deliver. And it, you know, we talked for about two and a half hours and time really just flew by. We discussed many things that I haven't really openly talked about um, too much, such as body image and just putting pressure on myself to kind of look a certain way and eat a certain way over the years. Uh, We talk about travel food and relationships and love and all that good stuff everything in between and it was just a great opportunity for me to to really talk about the things that I'm truly passionate about such as writing and travel so I hope there are many uh, insights for you to spark maybe your writing journey or to just be easier on yourself this show was one of the best conversations I've I've ever had I, I'd say and I left it just feeling light and just joyful and it was quite cathartic um you could find you know this episode on her podcast as well so we're both posting it and it was a lot of fun for me so hope you enjoyed it as well peace y'all enjoy the show Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another interview on Unmasked and Open Hearted. I'm very excited for our guest today. Vincent Van Patten, also known as Vinny, is with me here. And Vinny is actually in Japan right now. I am in San Diego. He's in Japan as we record this on Zoom. And as always, I'm going to read his bio, his human design and astrology information out loud. And then we'll dive into a conversation. Vincent Van Patten is an author, travel photographer, and co-host of the Dare to Dream podcast. Most importantly, Vincent is an inspired citizen of our ever-changing world. He fosters a profound passion for travel, history, spirituality, personal growth, and authentic human connection. Vincent's heart yearns to explore the natural world, the cities, towns, and everything else which we call home. He writes about it all through poetry, short stories, and books. His first nonfiction novel, Arrows of Youth, a young man's inspiring journey to find what lights his soul on fire, is part memoir, part travel story, and is quite the moving narrative of self-discovery and spiritual exploration. Vincent is currently living in Osaka, Japan, where he is teaching English and writing his second book about his recent European travel journey. Human design-wise, Vinny is a 6'2 manifesting generator with emotional authority, and astrologically, his sun sign is in Virgo, his moon sign is in Capricorn, And his rising sign is also Capricorn. 
which Vinny, I know you don't know much about this, but I'm that's excited to learn. Yeah. That's triple earth. So you've got a lot of earth energy, which makes sense for why you love being out in nature and travel and yeah. Wow. Triple earth. Mm-hmm. Triple earth. I, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited to learn. It's cool. It's because you can be either astrologically, every single sign is either water, fire, earth, or air. I would be double air water. You're triple earth. So just a lot of earth energy, a lot of ambitious energy, a lot of grounded energy, probably connected to your body, again, connected to the earth, connected to kind of being in your physical body, supporting people. Sweet. Have you ever seen the show Avatar, The Last Airbender? I have. Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Okay. Got into it like a couple of years ago. Just rewatched it again. Kind of a kid's show, but much mm-hmm. better as an adult as these things usually are. I was thinking about like which, you know, which elements I am. It's kind of a fun thing. Mm-hmm. And definitely told that I was earthbender and kind of gravitate towards that. So it does make sense. Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. up in, in other ways too. There we go. Oh, well, I'm excited. I was telling you earlier, I'm really excited to have you on because I got connected to you through Greg, who is in my Toastmasters group. Then I just intuitively wanted to have you on the podcast. I read your book. I've been reading some of your poetry and writing. You're very, very talented. You just do a lot of really awesome things in the world as far as traveling, writing, photography. You have really amazing relationships. Let's talk about all of it. And I love to start with just you're in Japan right now. So do you want to just share with people what brought you to Japan specifically? Because it's a very unique place to be living. You're living there for a year. At least. Yes, that's that's for stars. But thank you for saying that, honestly. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Um, don't know how exactly to respond, but thank you. Really do appreciate it a lot. And yeah, so I'm here in Japan teaching English. And yeah, but before the pandemic, kind of just realized that. So I came here in 2019 with a group of my friends. Greg was one of them, and uh, was here for a month. Just started in Tokyo, went to uh, this like lake, kind of ancient village um, called Hakone, which has like it's part of this. This just kind of get into the whole story here, but it's part of this pilgrimage from like old Tokyo. Um, to Kyoto which is like the imperial city and we like hiked through just this awesome it's called the old Tokaido road it was just hilarious but went from there then to Osaka which is where I am now Kyoto and then this island called Shikoku and I was at that point I was kind of you know it was 2019 I graduated from college in 2017 and just had different jobs like worked in real estate Worked in interior design, worked in clothing store, just doing different stuff. And I studied journalism, but I didn't like really connect with journalism while I was in school. I just knew I did not like news reporting. And I actually got in, like I studied it thinking I was going to get in broadcasting, but I realized I did not want to do that. And then, so I went down the writing track realized that I hated news reporting, just like did not like the interviews and the things that I like had to do. And so I was a bit, yeah, just lost after college, didn't know what steps to take and started writing poetry, started like just writing about traveling when I would go on these trips that were just life-changing. Like I remember 
in Berlin, I was just like walking in like a cold, crisp afternoon. And just like, I wanted to live in Europe so bad. Like I wanted to live in another country. Like, dang, like how, how am I going to do this? And um, to another trip, Japan, 2019. And like, I'm just itching to make a change. Just still had no idea that it was going to be like writing or really anything, but I was kind of gravitating toward just like design. And I've always loved just like the way things look, aesthetics and like magazine design. And I was in contact with this kind of long story, bringing it all together here, but in contact with this guy here in Japan who runs like an online magazine. And I remember just being on like a train in Tokyo, just like cold, rainy day, like late December. and just like I want to live in Japan like this is it's much different than you know any like western culture obviously and that's what I wanted like I I knew I wanted to live I still kind of do want to live in Europe because I just love like European culture and but I'm like I really want to do something that's like just very different I'll be totally out of my comfort zone that'd be like a real life-changing experience far different than anything I've ever known and like Japan is just insane like I've kind of been really fascinated by it since I was a kid just loved like anime showed like Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon like Japan is it like it's modern enough and just kind of I don't know it has this crazy dichotomy of like ancient history and just modern world that kind of clashes and there's like so much beauty in it and it's just so interesting mm. and yeah I realized I'm like if I'm you know this is kind of the time I'm gonna like make a serious change, and I still didn't really know that I wanted to like be a be a writer yet. But mm. I'm like, I want to at least live in another country. I reached out to the magazine guy, who also we were kind of following his his ramen guide here in Japan. We're taken very seriously, and he said like he doesn't really have anything that he could pay me for at the moment, but just like you know, keep on keep on searching. Pretty much, that was like even me just like reaching out to him was like a big step. You know, I was reaching out to like professional and this German guy who had, you know, just reaching out out of the blue and who's extremely supportive. And I'm like, I know there's, there's something in that. So that was two months before COVID hit. And um, so that happened. I was like, but then I at least knew that I want to live in Japan. Long story short, more or less, I waited for three years to make it here. But mm -hmm. like in the meantime, yeah, I, uh, went on the Arrows of Youth road trip and wrote that book and pursued creative writing. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, I appreciate you just sharing, even taking that one step of reaching out to someone, seeing if it's going to work out. And then also just trusting something that I have to learn a lot about in my life is the whole concept of divine timing, letting things work out in the timing they're meant to work out. But then you just sticking to it, what that was three years ago that you first reached out and you knew you wanted to live in Japan, live in a different culture, and then ride through the pandemic, but then also just allowing the space and time and then circling back for you during those three years, just out of curiosity, did you, did you still have Japan lingering in the back of your mind or did you let it go at some point? Were you always like, okay, it's going to happen at some point. What did that look like? Cause I know a lot of people, maybe they have a dream for me, for example, and a reason why I want to talk to you and why I'm inspired by you is 
a dream of mine is to write a book. And I've had this one for <laughs> three to four years now. It's yeah. been just like tapping on every single body part of mine telling me to do it. And now I'm finally actually making it happen. But I think a lot of people have dreams like that where it's there and then maybe it doesn't quite work out or the pandemic happens or something happens to shift their lives. And then maybe it's still kind of brewing in them. So I just love to talk about that. Like, was it still kind of lingering there or did you put it aside? What was those three years until you got here looked like for you? Yeah, for sure. It was, yeah, I never let it go. So I pretty much reached out to this company that I work for now, ECC. and was just like in cahoots with them for like for over the three years just pretty much waiting for the world you know at the beginning we thought it was gonna be like one year that is another year and then japan was the last democratic country to open its borders so it was like even when the world was back to normal in the last year still just kind of waiting yeah so realized that this was and yeah i mean i definitely it 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 has always been Japan or bust more or less like I knew just like I'd feel a strong connection to coming here but like it definitely wasn't like gonna let it hold me back from doing other stuff so like had it in my mind and like you said like divine timing it's gonna happen when, when it's meant to like I'm not gonna force it but yeah I, so I pursued my master's in creative writing during that time just online which was a great for just me personally like a good use of time just to get better at creative writing and read a lot of things that I wouldn't be reading and it was the first time that like I genuinely just was interested in school and like felt like I could actually use what I just like not even what I learned but like what I could just use me in the writing and like I could actually say something that was valuable maybe like for the class and, and I was just learning a lot from communicating with other writers and getting better at just giving feedback, which is big and taking it as well. That was kind of the first step I took, like pandemic hit. I'm like, okay, I guess things are not going to happen for a while. What can we do with this time? So that kind of gave me a great kind of grounding thing to to work at like every week and did it. It was like a year and a half program. So it wasn't like overwhelming, but um, definitely kept me busy. So then it was kind of setting in. I was like, I want to be a travel writer. So I left my job in real estate. I was working for two years as a real estate agent with another one of my best friends in Los Angeles. I just knew like it was a great experience, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And I'm like, why am I, you know, trying to kind of set up a foundation in real estate, which is like really hard and you have to put in a lot of groundwork if I know this isn't what I want to do. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, I want to be a writer. Like I love traveling so much. Like how can I make that happen? And so it was like the ultimate test. Like, okay, here's here's COVID. You're not going to travel for three years. How are you going to be a travel writer? Like, I don't even know where to begin. But kind of realized that like a road trip was something I could do. It was getting the idea to to write a book in some sense as well. And it kind of came together to like this road trip. Also just kind of taking the, the temperature of the time and like just kind of seeing how how is the world right now? Like, how is, you know, the Pacific Northwest dealing with COVID and how are people feeling? And just in such a time of separation and, you know, people are so cooped up in their houses. Like I just had to get out into nature and just kind of embrace that. And it all came together. Amazing. 
So when you set off on that road trip, did you know, you just mentioned, did you know I'm going to write a book or was it more, I'm going to maybe write about this journey? What'd that look like? That is a great question. I should probably look back at like my notes and stuff. Cause I don't remember if it was exact. I'm sure it wasn't like black and white. Like this is it. I'm writing a book about the strip. It was like, definitely want to get some serious inspiration out there. And like, I'm, I'm feeling something feeling something. So like, I'm just going to get out there and kind of see what happens. But I mean, I was writing, yeah, pretty much just the entire time about the trip and just reading really inspirational stuff and which is like all part of the book and mm. podcasts. And I mean, I, I definitely think it was part of the plan. Like this is going to be going to write something big about this. Just like, you know, my first kind of major project. Yeah. It, it, it kind of something else took over and it mm. blew me away. <laughs> And when you're traveling, are you journaling? How are you documenting everything? In general or just on that trip? I guess both, that trip and in general. On my computer mostly, but yeah, definitely like I just take my journal out when I'm like on a hike or just in nature. But what I learned while I was in Europe this past summer, I was working at a hostel and then I was working at a hostel in Lisbon for two months, Mm -hmm. Lisbon, Portugal, and then worked on a farm in Calabria, Italy for three Mm -hmm. weeks after that. That's kind of what this second book is about. So that whole time I was pretty much taking notes like every day of like everything that happened, interesting conversations, everything. And then like a lot of the stories that I wrote throughout that time, which I published on like Medium, just came from those, that journaling. And now I'm writing this book with like just taking from all of that. And like, if I didn't have that, I I just, just have memory and like, it's, you know, you can't make up the stuff that happens in real life. It's so much funnier and so much more interesting. So that's what I'm doing here in Japan too. It's like, that's, you know, that is the plan down the line. It's kind of just to keep this thing going. So I'm kind of balancing writing about the Europe trip, like with the notes that I had and the stories that I did and stuff. And then also keeping up with like journaling and writing stories about Japan. Obviously I'm here and inspired and excited. So I want to write about Japan too. So Learning how to balance both was definitely a big thing in the beginning, but I think I've gone into a good groove now. Amazing. So you're doing journal notes and then also keeping tab on your computer. Yeah. So like when I have like an idea or something, I usually write on my computer, just like have like a running document that I kind of make to look like mm. I make it fun. Like I have my certain fonts and it's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a book coming together pretty much. I'd say if you want, like, you want to get into journaling, especially like on your period stuff, like make it, make it like a cool diary that like you want to engage with. And like, it's always there. Just, you could always just pour into it. Mm. And so I definitely do both though. When I want to like get away from technology and stuff, just like, just bring my journal out, call them just field notes, just writing out there. That's, that's what I did working on the farm. I just left like every day, just went out with my journal and just pretty much like, mowing hay for 20 minutes and just like write a couple of notes of just like something I thought of the coolest part of that was just how like manual labor and just being out in like the sun and stuff all day just like gave me so many ideas because you just you just mm. think you really have much time to just do nothing but think so yeah so for you in writing there's about a million and one questions that are going through my mind I'm throwing a lot oh. at just <laughs> <laughs> no it's good it's good but I want to I want to just ask about writing. So for people who are listening, who maybe because for me personally, I've always had journals since I was a little girl. I've always had diaries and journals and just written, written, written. A lot of for me is about my feelings. 
just mm-hmm. different things that are happening, but then I'll write just kind of scripty poetry and, and writing for me. It's just, it's very, very therapeutic. It helps me with my emotions, helps me process things. And then, you know, since being an entrepreneur, it's okay. Writing to someone marketing things. But for me, what feels most authentic is, oh, something came through and I just want to express myself. And then hopefully this message lands for someone and inspires someone, whether it's about my life or something that came through to me or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I've just found a lot of, I guess, a therapeutic energy in writing and a way for me to move all of the energy that's in my mind and in my body. Mm-hmm. And for anyone else, I guess, listening, because I know we all have different styles of writing and different ways we write. I loved how you structured Arrows of Youth in that in each chapter, you wrote about that leg of your journey, whether you were at home or on the journey, these different places you were at. And it was so descriptive, the details you can remember. And I'm curious if you like wrote down these details and that's how you remember them or what, because I'm like, how does he remember what shirt this person was wearing at the gas station? But you have like very detailed memory. And then you would go into, yeah, maybe something you're listening to or a podcast and then more conceptual lessons you're learning, you know, the soul wisdom, the spiritual wisdom, the perspectives. And then you had a poem in between each of those chapters, which I loved as well. So it was very creative and I loved that style and kind of circling back to the question, I feel like everyone, well, there's two questions I want to ask you. One is how have you developed your own authentic style of writing? And I know for you, there's, there's many layers to it because you write poetry, you write about history and you write factual information, but then you also write about your own perspectives on things. So you write in a number of different ways. I know you took a creative writing course, but for anyone who maybe they, they want to get into writing or they're trying to find their own voice in writing, what's that process looked like for you? Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And that's awesome to hear. I'd say that the biggest thing that I've learned, just like you're saying, like it is more important than anything just to get what is in you out. Like mm-hmm. so many of us are afraid to, to start something or to write or to journal because we think like it has to be perfect. It has to sound a certain way. We are our own worst critics. Like sometimes me, like I catch myself, like I don't want to, you know, write something in my journal because it, it's, it's maybe it's not something that I like about myself. So I, I'm like, ah, I don't want to be completely honest, even in this, like, will somebody, like I'm afraid almost that somebody's going to see my journal, which like should be just a place to completely vomit on the page. So definitely, if there's any like something holding you back, this has to be perfect or look, look a certain way. That is just, it's not what it's for. Like with journaling too, like I, when I want to just, like you're saying, just like get whatever is in me just out. Like I like to do just like freehand, whatever you're thinking, just let it out. Try not to think and just like write whatever is coming out of you. Because when you start thinking about how things sound, it, you get in your own head about it. As far as just like my style, yeah, what I have learned is just like there is no right way, especially mm. with writing. Yeah, it's really just like what has felt kind of like me. Like I love, like I was saying, just love aesthetics and styles of style of things. And while I love travel writing, it's just kind of getting, expressing like the the essence of a place, just kind of studying the the culture and the history of it and how it all kind of comes together, the style of the people, just the the vibe trying to bring that out through my writing just exploring that is a lot of fun not putting too much like 
you know, it has to be a certain structure or anything, but just really just letting your, letting your imagination run with it. And if it sounds, if it sounds reasonable when spoken, it's probably all right. You could always, you could always change things, but allowing ourselves to just like have fun with writing. There are no rules. <laughs> and that was like a big thing with like writing Errors of Youth and what I'm just learning now. There are no rules. <laughs> it can be anything you want. I appreciate that. And what about what about poetry? How do you write poetry? That might be a huge question. And you said there's no rules. So that helps a lot because I can I can get in my head all the time of like, well, comparing my stuff to somebody else's or is this even poetry, Shannon? What is this? It doesn't rhyme. Because I would say I probably do write poetic words a lot. Like it's just this kind of scripty thing that comes through. And when I when I am kind of in it, I'm not thinking similar to what you said. It just flows out and it feels good and it expresses what I wanted to in that moment. But I don't understand the rhyming aspect of poetry. Like I've never really been able to click that in my mind. What's writing poetry like versus something else? And is there a skill set to that? What would you say to someone maybe like me who has stories that they can't write poetry? Would you say the same thing? There's no rules. Just go for it. Great point. So one of the best, most impactful advice I got just like in this creative writing course was like, try to not rhyme. And because like all my poems were like, that's rhyming. That's that's what poetry is. You're supposed to rhyme. And it's like, I think I could poetry be much more impactful if it didn't rhyme. Wow. Like I'd never thought about that. Because like a lot of times you're thinking of words just because they rhyme. So poetry is interesting. It, it's, I mean, it's hard to describe. Like what, what is it even? I think it's just, it's a beauty, I guess, that's just not on the surface. Like it can, you know, with my like, prose style writing which is is just structure and you're basically like you're speaking I like to kind of blend more of like the kind of poetry style kind of imagery and just kind of like it's not really what's on the surface but also bringing you down to earth as well get a little bit of a mix there just like to make you kind of think big picture then also like okay this is actually reality poetry doesn't just doesn't really it doesn't need to have that reality kind of aspect like it could just be totally under the surface i mean obviously this is just my take poetry i think it really be anything but this is like how i like to write it it's like it's just a it could the entire thing could be a metaphor for something else like it could just not not make any sense it could just be jumble of words together but like it's something that came out of you and i usually write my poetry just in times where I'm feeling like maybe like early in the morning when it's like still dark out and like the world feels kind of strange and not like reality yet. But again, like this different imaginative headspace, there really is no rhyme or reason per se. <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I definitely did learn though, like in, yeah, in that those courses, just there are different styles and things mm -hmm. that if you are interested to study and like, before I took that, I, I was writing just kind of more just, you know, my own style. And then it's supposed to rhyme in a certain way. And then when I actually like had to write in a certain style, it got me out of my own comfort zone mm -hmm. and just writing like in a in a specific style of poetry, which is really cool. And there are obviously definitely different styles, slam poetry and quartets like Shakespearean and 
if you're interested in that, I definitely recommend like learning different styles and then maybe challenging yourself to write a poem, maybe with the same idea in like mm-hmm. a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's like, okay, why not just try it? Because if you hate it or it doesn't feel authentic to you, mm-hmm. you can always go back to what feels more authentic to you. Maybe people, you know, some poets or people like rhyming, whereas some rhyming's not your thing. But I think it mm-hmm. is important to try out different things and kind of find your groove and find your fit. At the end of the day, we know what feels most authentic. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Writing is something that, it's why I keep doing it. it is for nobody but you. And like when you realize mm-hmm. that when you write for for you, this is something that I am grappling with, or you realize that that's what actually connects with other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, under the surface, yeah, we're all going through something, and like our struggles that we we seldom kind of share that really do connect. And so, if you are like mm-hmm. worried about pleasing a certain group of people that shines through instead of like, this is what I'm dealing with. And then you realize mm. that that is what kind of emanates. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever write out of curiosity when you're in more kind of darker emotions or feeling deeper type of thing or? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I've been, I kind of wrote about it as you uh, just dealing with kind of back pain for the mm-hmm. last several years or yeah, the last decade. That's really it's been a great mystery mm. and that definitely keeps me searching for for answers and I think it partially has or in a big way has made me a much better writer because I I you know have empathy for other people who are going through stuff and like yeah definitely like that's usually when I just need to like by hand just just get out emotions and just write it on the page and yeah, I don't like focusing on it that much, but like, mm-hmm. I love you bodies kind of comes from that just relationship mm-hmm. with just dealing with that. You know, I like to, even in those darker kind of stuff, I do like to like, not put a positive twist just for the sake of doing it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, show that there is hope no matter yeah. what we're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I just asked because something I've found, maybe not everyone, but I'm always experimenting with myself. Okay, what works, what doesn't work, especially when it comes to just taking care of myself, loving myself, my inner critic, my emotions, all sorts of things. Just finding different tools and techniques that actually work, you know, because this human experience is crazy sometimes. And And I also, I I do want you to read that. I love you body too. So that was a good segue. And we'll have you read that in a moment. Just to share, it's something that I have found really works for me. And it's, it's interesting because I use music a lot when I'm feeling sad or just in a funk or in a low or, you know, there's some emotional pain coming up for whatever reason. I typically was turning to music and I would just go on walks and I listen to music or I just play music and I just sit, whatever it is, or I feel the emotion. But lately, something I've been playing around with is actually using that time to write. And it's almost like, okay, there's these intense emotions I'm feeling or these deep emotions I'm feeling or there's something I'm going through. And I'll kind of pull a notes tab out on my computer and just write. And maybe I'm feeling or I'm crying while I'm doing it, or I'm just channeling the energy into my writing, or I'll pull Mm -hmm. out a journal and do it too. And I found that it actually helps me to not avoid the emotions or bypass them or kind of stay in the funk, but Mm -hmm. it actually helps me to move through the funk quicker. And then at the other side of it, it's actually something that didn't formally exist, right? 
a poem or writing or a newsletter to send out to someone. So I just wanted to share that. And I'm, and I, that's why I was curious if you do that at all, because it's helped me to understand because I'm a very emotional person and a very sensitive person. And I feel a lot of things and it's helped me just to work with those and just create something out of them rather than be like, Oh, why am I feeling this way? Or I'm just going to sit in this, or I'm going to, you know, be in a bad mood today or whatever it is. It helps me move through it and then create something beautiful out of it. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that as they say, some of the greatest you know, pieces of art and work and stuff do come from struggle and pain. And I think it asks you, obviously, this is not an easy experience being alive. It is therapeutic to, to just get whatever is in you out. We're constantly just so in our own heads about everything that's happening and we're hard on ourselves. And to have something to channel that into something positive that could actually help somebody else is... And it's all, it's like, it's scary too. Like I'm sure a lot of times you don't want to show somebody that what you just poured out. And like, I feel that as well. Like, uh, can I just kind of just rant? Like I've never really done like a, just a ranty article, but just like something that's pissing me off. But like, sometimes you'd want those just raw emotions. You want to see that too, to see that somebody else is going through that. So I think it's, it's good. Like sometimes I should let myself just maybe even just post something that I'd wrote 20 minutes ago in an angry state because angry writing is very impactful as well mm. not you know i think should be said not obviously not like angry at certain people or anything but like just uh, there's something in this maybe in the world there's something about myself that is mm-hmm. upsetting and like i'm not feeling good and that's what i want to share mm. yeah <laughs> yeah well the truth is it's relatable as long as it's not violent or like you said, targeting somebody else or malicious, yeah. it is really relatable to know, oh, Vinny's going through something real. I went through something similar three years ago, or maybe I'm going through the same thing in my own unique way right now. And it can actually, I mean, you talk about authentic human connection, it actually helps people connect in versus, yeah, when we're curating things or trying to polish things or not actually show the humanity in ourselves it doesn't always land as deeply as it can mm-hmm. go for it i'll yeah, read it Hundred percent, <laughs> with the authentic human connection thing it's just you know it seems like what well, me and greg are just kind of like on you know my mm-hmm. co-host best friend situation <laughs> we just like you know the way the world, world is moving just towards separating more and more like us versus them and mm-hmm. just like putting up these walls we just really, you know, figure out a way just to get back to kind of being human. And like a lot of that is just from talking to people in the real world, you know, talking to strangers and like just opening up and being vulnerable. And obviously I'm not prancing around just like high five and strangers and stuff. Like I grapple with it too of like, oh man, I should have said something. Like I had mm. this, had this compliment in me to that person on the train. And I just, I just held it in. Like didn't mm. say anything. Like why? Did I help hold it in? Kind of side note there, but it's it's yeah. like the things that we do just kind of get out off the cuff are the most authentic things that we all do connect with and share. And it's kind of the the webs between us all. Mm, absolutely. And you talked about this in your book throughout, just I mean, you spoke to encouragement, and that's something I really wanted to dive into because I started to think a lot about 
how important encouraging other people is and how we all want to be encouraged in these different ways. But you also had these different stories around, I think it was a friend of yours said something to another guy. Hang on, I'm going to remember this. He basically, it was early on in your book and he, I think the guy was acting. Was it acting classes or public speaking yeah. classes? Acting? The Do you want to share? Duke. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So my my brother Duke uh, is an is an actor. He lives in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Go fig go figure. <laughs> and uh, he was at an acting class, and this other student just went on stage. He was super cocky, like kind of the thought he was like the big shot in the mm-hmm. group. Apparently, just like looked like you know he's gonna give a hell of a performance. And he just went up there and just completely bombed, just couldn't remember the words. It was just like so nervous. And uh, funny enough, my brother saw him at just at, at a restaurant later that night. He's just thinking, uh, Duke's mother's brother's name is Duke. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, should I go over and say something? Like, I'm sure he's just, you know, hates himself right now. All right, might as well. Goes over and says like, hey, man, you know, I'm from the acting class from earlier no worries like we all we all bomb like that is just bound to happen like don't worry about it just move on you'll be fine just pretty much gave him some words of encouragement and he like kind of acted like like almost like bigger than it like the guy at the time like uh uh, okay whatever but then later he like texted i guess they swapped numbers and he Mm -hmm. just said like god works in mysterious ways i was just ready to quit like that was that was the end for me but you pretty much Save me. So just like some few, some few words that you just never know how they can impact somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you speaking to, right, maybe you're on the, the train and you want to compliment someone and you're in your head. I think so often us being in our heads and judging ourselves and worrying, is this going to come across? Not the way I want it to come across. How are they going to receive this? Is this okay? Us being up there in our heads are actually preventing us from gifting someone something that they could really need in that moment. So mm-hmm. I think if we have that in the back of our minds of, oh, this could be that thing to encourage someone or inspire someone, or it could be that, you know, that sunshine in their day, whatever it is, I like to compliment. So I'm a woman, right? And I like to compliment other women if I notice, oh, I really like it's all authentic. It's like, oh, I really love those earrings. Let me tell her, or yeah. she has a pretty smile, or whatever it is. Because I know as a woman, if you get a compliment like that, it's like, oh my God, this person told me they like my <laughs> smile. Like all day, I'm going to be so happy. It really does light you up. So I know it's like I've received that gift before. I know that it can, it can make my whole day better if somebody says something genuine like that. So I want to give that to other people as much as possible whenever it feels authentic because. It is that gift and you never know, okay, if I share this to someone, it could brighten up their next hour. It could brighten up their next day. It can brighten up their entire week, whatever it happens to be. And, and similar to what you were sharing, we're all craving connection. We really are. We're just really scared sometimes. And we're just conditioned to be on our phones or close ourselves down, or we've been hurt in the past, or we feel awkward, or we're nervous about how we're going to come across to somebody else. We don't do that. But I think if you can have that in the back of your mind, of, okay, would I like if someone complimented me? Would I like if someone smiled at me? Would I like if someone held the door open for me? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to keep getting out of my head and do that as much as possible for other people. For sure. 
what I'm just trying to get better at. And it is a lifelong journey, but it's just like acting on intuition instead of like, mm-hmm. so you give yourselves the three seconds to think about what you're going to say to the person you've, you're already probably not going to do it. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, I've questioned it, but if like you see somebody's shoes, for some reason, it's usually shoes yeah. for me. I'm like, I like your shoe. Like if I just say it, just say the thing, whether or not they're, you know, receptive, give the person a compliment. It's a good thing. You're because, you know, to get, to go to the full end of the spectrum, you could have saved their life. Mm-hmm. You, you could make yeah. the day or you could literally save their life just with like being seen, which yeah. is crazy. Those are the things that, that do connect us. And like, just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it is as, kind of corny but Walt Whitman would say like the gift is to the giver that that gives something good to them but also you are you're making the universe happy by getting out of your own head contributing to something and call this flirting with life it's Mm. the concept is from I forget his name but charisma on command is this guy his Mm. business really interesting Mm. um I haven't really done much with it besides just listening to him on the podcast, but mm-hmm. pretty much this concept of like flirting with life. Like as a guy, it seems like the way the world is turning is, you know, guys are getting more afraid to approach girls, ask for numbers, mm-hmm. kind of the ways that things were done for the last hundreds of years, <laughs> thousands, like actually approaching somebody. And now it's mm-hmm. like, ah, why do I need to approach this girl when I could just hop on my phone and look like I'm busy and then scroll you know, mm. on a dating app later. So I'm trying, obviously, like all of the stuff that I'm saying, it's like, it's still very hard for me too, but mm. trying to get better of, you know, acting out in the field, as I say, like flirting with life. It's not just the, you know, get girls numbers. It's like also just give an old man a compliment, mm. smile at some kids that flirting with life will get you better at preparing. If you do see the girl of your dreams to go up to her and say something because you're always flirting with life. Mm. So it just makes it all much easier. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Greasing the groove, practicing. Exactly. It is practice. Like if you're in mm. the elevator and, you know, somebody there just say what up. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> say something. Yeah. Say something. Yeah. 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 It's not like I'm, like I said, I'm not talking to every person I see, but <laughs> trying to get better little by little. Yeah. Well, I love you speaking to it. And I think it's also what you share, just the, it's the, it's the intuition or it's the instinct or it's the, oh, wow, I really like that necklace or those shoes or, oh, let me open up this door for someone or let me smile at them. Like in those moments, just do it versus go into your head and oh, shoot. I love this conversation because I think, I think about this a lot because I don't want to be somebody ever who holds back my expression, especially saying I love you to people that I love. What made me really uh, sink this in? I might get emotional right now, but what made me sink it in? And I think fortunately, unfortunately, I think death can be a huge catalyst for individuals to just rethink, just rethink our behaviors, right? Because like something's like, it just brings you into the, I guess, fragility of us and the just the fact that our our lives are impermanent. About a year ago, my final grandpa passed away. I shared about I've shared about this in my podcast before, and I was very open on social media and whatnot as I was, you know, we were taking care of him in the end of his life. And I was very present for the end of his life. And that's something 
I did very intentionally. I was living in Hawaii at the time. I moved back home for three months and just my, my work schedule was flexible. I had the ability. So I would sometimes work from his nursing home and just be with him to really soak up those moments. But kind of in that space and time, Vinny, I could just see just there's, there was like a lot of drama within my family and just within the siblings and people not really sharing, I love you or expressing themselves or harboring pain from the past or just holding on to things. And you're with this person who's at the end of his life. And we just had all these highs and lows with him where we like, okay, he's going this week. And then all of a sudden he would just spring back up and he wasn't going, he's a Marine. So he was like a fighter and he just like, would not like, <laughs> let go. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. We could, we joked that he was like a cat with nine lives just kept, kept on going. But I really was like very present and witnessing and observing that time. I was also observing my dad because it's his dad and just everyone's emotional reactions to it. For whatever reason, I don't know what it was, different conversations with my dad about it. Me and my dad had some conversations after he passed. And it was just around life is too short to not express to people that you're grateful for them, that you love them all of the time. And let the people in your life know that you love them, that you're grateful for them literally all the time. I don't think that you can say it too much. That's my own, that's my own personal belief. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them as much as you want, express the gratitude, express the love, because we never know, you know, my grandpa's 92. He lived a long life. Somebody could go tomorrow or, you know, the person that you love could just all of a sudden something could happen to them or just things can happen at any point. And when you're in kind of like so present for the end of life process, it makes you really think about it. I think most people who might be listening, who have lost someone, you really think about things when you're like, you lose someone, you're so present with it or tragically or suddenly, or however it happens. But that was something I took as a gift for myself. And since then, I mean, my behavior, I've always been a very like lovey-dovey expressive person, but I've been so intentional about that. Uh, just even on Thanksgiving, so many text messages were sent of like, I love you. I'm grateful for you, blah, 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 blah. And just daily to my friends and my family members and, and those who mean a lot to me, I think it's really important that we make that a habitual part of our personality traits because people want to be seen and loved and acknowledged. And if we can be that voice and be that person, I think it's, I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh I have this quote that I will read in a second, but it just hit, hits on this. But it's what can be more important than like sharing that you love people that you're with that really make life worth living. You know, at the end of our lives, is any of the stuff that we've accumulated or just our career, what's going to be more important? Just the, the lives that we've affected and the relationships. It's mm. like we are here thinking a lot of just for why I'm pretty much doing everything. <laughs> like, what is the point of pursuing the writing and everything? And I'm lucky to find something that it it gives me, you know, I don't want to just be like the best writer that there is. Mm -hmm. It's not just I'm not doing this to like be successful in traditional sense. It helps me just explore why we're here. And that's why I love it. And it's like, it really is. It's relationships. It's to experience this just this gift of being alive. If I may just read this quote. So I recently read The Algebra of Happiness by Scott Galloway, who's a NYC or NYU like business professor and author. He says, we have a great 
We have an even greater reservoir of admiration and good thoughts about others that can get caught in the filters of insecurity and fear. To not let that dam burst is to cut life short and shortchange joy. There are so few absolutes. One of them, nobody ever says at a funeral, he was too generous, too kind, and too loving. Nobody, ever. Thank you for sharing that. That's so funny. The other, Greg, actually, shout out to Greg. Greg. He, he gave a speech in Toastmasters, and in the speech, he asked, he asked everybody if they had a word that they wanted to be remembered by. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, Greg, but I'm pretty sure he asked everyone in the audience if they had a word they wanted to be remembered by, what would that word be? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, just one? We only get one, Greg? We don't <laughs> get like seven words? So since then, sentence. yeah, since then I've I've actually written my words. It inspired me, and I wrote my words, and I put them on my door, my door in my in my bedroom. But one of them was generous, and since then I've been really thinking about okay, generous. How can I show up as a generous person? And it kind of goes back to our conversation. Be generous with your compliments. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your time. I think so many of us get so like stingy about things and boundaried and. What's the point of that? It blocks the connection. It blocks the relationships. And yes, have have the boundaries and know how to say no. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I liked that that generous word. It's been something I've been really exploring. And that's what I would love for people to say that at my funeral, that Shannon was very generous. Yeah. Feels good. He was just generous. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, I think that's in the most, you know, natural sense of what generous is. It's you think of you know, he's generous. He gave a lot of his things away or like she, she was generous with her, the time, but it is generous with love. Just, mm-hmm. I think with creating art, with writing, with anything to have a, what's the opposite? Scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like an abundance mentality is like, there's always like this idea isn't just my idea mm-hmm. and I can't hold on to it because I think it's gonna, like if I, if I hold on to this, nobody else can have it. And like, it's such a good idea that I can't, I'm afraid to even share it. Abundance mentality is like, oh, this is a great idea. Another one will come. This is not even mine. This is, this is the world and it's coming through me. To be just abundant with your, with your words, your love, letting everything flow through you. That is the dam that must break. That is to let life flow through you. To like, to hold it up in the scarcity mentality of like, not enough and we have to, you know, resources for us and like this is us versus them. It's like there's always more of that that well of life keeps just kind of flowing through you. And just with with anything, I think money, love, creativity, inspiration, everything just flows in, flows out. It can't be you can't be holding on to stuff because that's what makes us sick. Mm. Yeah. Letting it flow through. I love that you what you spoke to. It's the world's not mine. It's just coming through me. One of my favorite quotes is Marcus Aurelius, who is this Roman Stoic emperor, which is like one of the greatest emperors in Rome, which is there wasn't many. And he said, like, life is a well that flows through you. Like if you don't want to stop, it won't. Mm. So just like life is just a a well that just flow through you. <laughs> let it come in, let it Blow back out. That's how I, I relate to emotions of we can stop it, we can suppress it, we can try not to feel it, but 
at the end of the day, it's literally just energy that wants to flow through you. And as soon as you surrender to it and have the big cry or scream into the pillow or shake your body, it's going to flow through you. I love that for yeah, generosity and love and expression as well. Will you read your poem now? Sure. (laughs) One of your poems? Yes. So yeah, I wrote this in July. It's called I Love You Body. I love you body and I will do whatever it takes to help you live. In doing so, my soul can see. In doing so, this thing called life can beat from the red volcanic heart within my chest. In doing so, love may emanate from the core of my existence and healing as I take wisdom from the world may come to us, one and the same. A form without separation. I, you, it, us, them, we, free. I love you, body, and I will do whatever it takes to help you live. The day will come when we've had our fill, when the well of thought has emptied and the ink's gone dry, when these eyes have seen the treasures of the earth and cried upon their beauty, when these legs, despite the pain, the hurt, the cracks and burns we feel, have walked for miles, miles of empty roads, bustling foreign streets, deep white sand and mountains of snow, and they've felt the weight of gravity, I will still love you. Despite your faults, my faults, which I have blamed on you. To have a body, it often seems separate from the self. I try to fix you like a car instead of loving you like a friend. I try to mold you like a statue instead of marveling at your imperfections. I wish instead of thank. I push instead of feel. I try to solve you like a puzzle, and I cry when I can't. I cry when I hurt. I question if you'll ever be the way you once were, instead of simply watching you grow, feeling you speak and listening to you as you become all you're meant to be. I'm here to listen forever and always. I'm here for you. Despite the age and the wear and the beating we have taken, I will love you, if only for the strength to smile to a friend an enemy, a stranger, a child, so they may love their body too. And when we leave these bodies and we enter eternity, we shall dance and smile and rejoice that we had bodies at all, for they gave us the chance to play on planet Earth. What exactly inspired that? You said, was it your back injury or was it anything else as well? Definitely back injury so it happened like early 20s and since then just kind of been on this road of discovery really just figuring out Mm. what is this relationship I have with my body what is Mm. just is it something that you know is emotional pain that I'm holding on to is it Mm. it's just pushing myself too much and just this idea that I need to be perfect and Mm. just always wanting to get back to that and is it just a, even an identity that I'm holding on to? Like I have to be this, this athlete when maybe that's not what in that sense I'm meant to be. Yeah. So that was over the summer. And every time that I've kind of broken down and been like seriously hurting one way or another, I've come back from it and just kind of gone back up and started working out again and tried something new. And so this was just over the summer when I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. It's just, it's been a, quite the road journey that I've been on with it 
yeah, that was that was from that and just this moment. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you exercise in some capacity. Just mm-hmm. I have some of like, my best revelations in that moment when you're a lot of it is just giving me gratitude that I can even walk and like, mm-hmm. you know, feel air in my lungs and being in a city has been eye opening as well to see so many people just literally hunched completely 90 degrees staring at the ground on the walk is just like wow i am so lucky so in this moment just you know just kind of hit me that wow you've been through a lot you've always gone back up when you've fallen down and you always will and we're in this together me and you Mm -hmm. body like we will make it through this Mm -hmm. and there's much more than just the body but just trying to treat it as best as you can and There'll obviously be ups and downs and what really matters is getting back on the horse. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can only imagine the, just the frustration, different things. And I know you shared not wanting to focus too much on it, but when you're going through something challenging with your body, whether it's an injury or pain or a rash or an infection, I've gone through my fair share of things in my past. It's a hugely challenging thing emotionally, mentally, physically, because you you can't escape your body. I mean, we try in so many different ways through alcohol and drugs and social media and all sorts of things to just escape being in our bodies because there's emotions and it's uncomfortable and all sorts of things or pain or whatever it is. But when you're going through that, it's it's really challenging. So I appreciate you opening up a little bit about that and, and just creating something beautiful out of it. I do have a question. I'd be curious. You shared about the, the back stuff. As a man, because I, I know I speak to a largely female audience, I deeply relate to struggling with body image and just going through I mean, my fair share of body image challenges of just looking in the mirror and and beating my body up. I mean, I had an eating disorder and body image challenges throughout high school and college. It's really a huge catalyst for the work I do now and helping young women overcome different things they're going through. Is that something you've ever gone through? You mentioned perfectionism. Have you ever had body image challenges or judged your body as far as like the aesthetic look of your body in different ways? Or is that something you go through at all now? sure yes thank you for sharing that as well yes 100 percent. it's i think that's one of the the best just the greatest lessons that I've, I've taken from this is so i think you know it all kind of stemmed from i come from a very athletic family my dad was a professional tennis player family all just you know we bond over athletics and so i i mean i'm sure in some way that's what as a, in high school and everything kind of drove me to in college i was literally just working out so hard two hours was like pretty regular I was known to just be walk out of the gym just like drenched mm. and partially because I you know I, I do love it like I love pushing myself and um just really taking it there but I thought that I had to work that hard just to look a certain way mm. and this injury did happen like after college and I was still in that same mindset of like for some reason you have to be in perfect shape just going balls to the wall like every day just going nuts and I think just eventually just kind of snapped so that's one one of the biggest things has just been getting over I mean to answer your question yes I definitely still do like look at myself and like 
I mean, I think it'll be a lifelong journey, which fitness and health definitely is. Like even in Japan, <laughs> like I don't know anybody here. Like, why am I still trying to look a certain way? And just realizing that like exercise and fitness and health is not the way you look is the should be the least important aspect mm. of it. What I've learned is just the most, like I was saying earlier, like my greatest revelations and like ideas and stuff. I've come, I mean, not all of them, but like I've had definitely some very eye-opening ones and just cried a lot just on runs. Mm. The times when I've been down, but I still find a way just to do something. Realizing that like it the it's 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 gotta be a positive, you know. Health has got to be a positive thing. If you're punishing yourself, if you're going to the gym as like punishment, which I definitely did in, you know, in college, you'd I'd go to the gym at like 7 a.m. Like after a night of partying because I like hated myself and I was was either just like trying to work off the drinking, which you could, you know, maybe do in college, but can't do anymore. And and just like, yeah, maybe I'd like fast the next day as like punishment to combat excess like one of my biggest struggles has been like trying to find a balance in pretty much mm. everything that i do it's usually you know i get pretty hard on something and then it's like okay let's cut it out completely i think for anybody one of the hardest things is like moderation and mm. temperance yeah still definitely dealing with that i've learned a lot and just kind of given myself just these days and being here in japan it takes more for me to go to the gym for 30 to 45 minutes instead of like an hour and a half like okay pull back and obviously it's not like that for everybody and it is it's good in some sense I do just I love it and like I am still just trying to push myself but I question like why am I doing this exactly if I'm and getting to a point where I only want to do what's actually making me feel good instead of trying to look a certain way mm. yet hurt I'm like why what what's going on there like why am I doing that instead of I'm just trying to figure out how to heal mm -hmm. and it's, it's definitely not a health and fitness and is not a clear straight line it is it is a journey that meanders and weaves and bobs and it's gotta be easier on ourselves it is it is not worth I don't know what kind of life is it when you're a slave to looking a certain way not a happy life. Yeah, I appreciate you opening that up a lot. Is there anything for you particularly that helps you to be easier on yourself, gentler on yourself, kinder to yourself? Quotes, mindset shifts, practices that actually have helped you or are helping you right now? For sure, yeah. Like I was saying, kind of just like, I'm not on a, a mission to, to look to be in perfect shape anymore. I think, and also getting over the, you know, I definitely have a fear of, is it only, am I only going to deteriorate from, mm -hmm. from this point on? Like I'm in my I'm 27, when I hear people say like, oh, you're too young to like have back pain. I'm really just hearing them say like, oh, it's probably going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you having this already? Definitely a mindset shift and like something that I have to believe is there is, there is a way out of this pain and this is not how it's going to be forever. And best days are still ahead of you. Mm. It will get better. It will get better. Just trying to find, like, instead of, like, looking a certain way, how to feel the best that I can. 
and it does it takes a you know mental toll to to wake up every day and be, instead of just being like I have to go to the gym I know I have to go five days a week be like how do I feel today and like assess it mm. sometimes I do have to be like even though I feel a little bit off I'll, I might feel sometimes I do feel better from going to the gym and kind of stretching and stuff mm-hmm. um, so I do have to kind of just get over that hurdle but sometimes I'm like okay you deserve a day off don't go and just realizing that it is I think this has all been a journey for me to find some sort of balance I don't have to push myself every day in in physical in that sense like can't do everything at once it's a big one if I'm gonna I'm gonna write all morning like I want to do this then can't do 10 things focus on that give myself to it it's all gonna be okay if you don't go to the gym today things will be fine you're doing great just enjoy enjoy your life enjoy mm. your life take that pressure off mm. i think is, is a theme that continues to come up and that really does in large part come from just enjoying the the freedom that we all share like things just be able to feel the sun on your face and just go out for a walk like that sometimes just like taking a walk over going to the gym is mm-hmm. better for you because that will be like more healing to the mind than going to grind it out mm-hmm. and obviously there's you know there's spectrums to this whole thing and kind of going off on a tangent here a bit but i did you know have a little bit of a eating disorder as well after college for punishment too like getting so just into fasting for the wrong reasons yeah just after i thought that like i had a big weekend or some party with my friends and like, oh, i need to fast for like let's try fast for a day and i turned in like two days and the three at one point i wasn't in like a great headspace where it's like okay next week i'm gonna fast for three days just to you know cleanse the system i need to do it to like punish myself and kind of disguised as this positive thing of like oh fasting this is what you're supposed to be doing it's so good for you yeah it was taking me to kind of a dark place until somebody at work i was like you're looking very skinny like unhealthily okay gotta shape up let's uh let's figure mm-hmm. out what's going on here you gotta take care of yourself and that goes much further beyond just how you look mm, thank you so much for sharing that yeah thank you thank you a lot that really it means a lot to me just you opening up that vulnerably and sharing from a male's perspective as well, the things that you've gone through. And I'm, I'm grateful that person said something and it just kind of circles back to earlier in the conversation as well, of just expressing things, speaking up and that coworker saying something to you was what you needed to check yourself and recognize, oh, this is an unhealthy thing. I'm, I'm not doing this out of kindness towards myself or love for myself. I remember when I was going through my eating disorder in high school, it took me a while. It wasn't like a one, you know, one friend said something and then I kind of snapped too. I actually was Mm -hmm. in denial for a while personally, because it was very disguised under, because it was also a little bit conflicting and it's similar to speaking to what you're sharing and just, okay, there's this part of you that loves being an athlete and running and there's creativity involved and there's just there's so much to it. I mean, I'm a huge fitness fan and there's something around about running and lifting weights that it's just, it's amazing. It's cathartic. It's empowering. It connects you with your body. It's, it's important. 
And it's finding that fine line between, okay, this is healthy for me and this is serving me. And yeah, just getting to the gym and doing my stretches or doing my routine is actually going to support my body versus when I'm doing this because I hate myself or I'm judging myself or I want to look in a certain aesthetic or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, it was convoluted because I had this huge passion for health and fitness and I was learning about it and just loving it. But then I spiraled into just super restrictive, super controlling. I was eating such a little amount of food. I was getting skinny, 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 skinnier. I think I was confused at the time. I mean, I was in high school and all my friends literally nicknamed me the health nut. So it was disguised as, oh, Shannon's really healthy and she knows a lot and she's reading all these books. And it was to some extent, but then there was also disordered eating underneath it. And there was this whole oh, my worth is my body. I was getting more attention from guys and it was just this whole thing. And you're 18 years old and you know your worth is tied into what guys think of you and your grades in school and your social circle, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but it, it is in a lot of ways. And that's what I'm working to break the cycles around for younger women. Yeah. Anyway, I had many friends approach me and say, you know, Shannon, you look really skinny or oh, Shannon, is it, you know, we had a conversation. I remember one friend being like, oh, is it about food? Is, do you want to talk about that? And at time and time again, I remember, I remember these moments so vividly in my mind. And I just was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just healthy or no food. Like I'm, I'm good with food. I just really like eating healthy now. But I think it does, it, you know, we get to a certain point where maybe we're ready for the shifts or that, that sentence or phrase kind of shifts something or wakes us up. For me, it was I started to see a therapist and she really helped me click the dots and then finally admit out loud, oh, I have an eating disorder and that's what this is. But oh my gosh, it took me so long to even share that. And then years later, oh, I actually want to heal this disordered eating and have a healthy relationship with my body and learn how to love myself. What does that look like? What a concept. To your point, I'm really glad that you opened that up and just shared a little bit about that and grateful someone said something and that it was able to click something within you. And, and we're still, you know, on our journeys with it. There's no perfect relationship with our body or food and it's a constant evolution, but I do appreciate you sharing some of your experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of the ways like you have a better relationship with like with food and with eating and how have you kind of found because with me it's just learning how to I think that when you restrict something it like makes you want it it definitely mm-hmm. makes you want it more but like and then it would make me go off and like binge and then that's when I would go the other way so it's like binge and then yeah fast but just mm-hmm. like start starve yourself it's like how have you found that kind of more positive relationship and kind of more of a balance mm. Great question. It's there's so many layers to it, Vinny. There really, really oh, are. Yeah. It's not straightforward. Yeah. So for me, there's a couple of different things for me personally. Okay. So the first thing I actually want to want to share is when it came to my relationship with food, I actually had to recognize that it wasn't about food. And for a while, I was just hyper fixating on food, 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 food. Okay. And I went to nutrition school and I've tried everything. I've tried literally everything. I mean, all like paleo, all the things, all the things, right? To some extent, it was cool because I had some different gut issues and I had autoimmune psoriasis. And so I was 
kind of experimenting on myself and okay, an autoimmune paleo approach actually helped me to heal my psoriasis. And so there was a really cool experimentation to it. But then I got to that point right after I graduated college where I was like, okay, I am actually, like you said, in my mind, certain foods are now bad and I'm scared to eat them. And I'm actually really anxious about going to parties or different things. And then if I eat foods, I'm really upset with myself. And I just, I had no freedom around it, right? There was nothing freeing about my relationship with food at all. Even like traveling, me and one of my best friends traveled, backpacked around Southeast Asia after college. It was, it was really challenging because there's so much restriction there. It's like, how do you even enjoy the food and the culture when you're, you know, you have like seven different things that you can't eat, Yeah, you know, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, no soy. Southeast yeah. Asia, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you just kind of have to find the balance. So anyway, I came to the point where I was like, okay, I, it was like a line in the sand moment of like, I've, I'm so done with this. I'm done. I'm done with this pattern. I'm done hating myself. I'm done with this whole food and body image thing. And it wasn't like, okay, now I'm done. And now tomorrow it's all fixed. But that was like <laughs> my, my moment of I'm making a decision here and I'm going to figure this out. And so then I started to work with therapist coaches and one woman really helped me and just recognize, okay, it's not about food. We're not even going to focus on food. And so we more went deeper into my emotions and my relationship with myself. The fact that my worth was tied to my body image. So then when I started to unravel that and unpack that, and that's a layered process. I mean, even two weeks ago, I had a whole nother thing with body image come up. Body image is something that it just constantly rearing its head to me, especially in relation to, to men, to be honest, and just how men perceive me or all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big thing for me is, okay, my worth is my appearance and what I look like and whether or not I'm attractive or getting attention or worthy in the eyes of men or grades at schools, like those two things. So I started to unravel and pack that. And then that gave me the spaciousness to loosen the reins on food a little bit. And then what I started to do was just really dive deeper into how do things make me feel and from a place of love. So it's like, okay, if I'm approaching it from a place of love and if I were to love myself, how would I want to feel every day? Okay, well, I'd want to feel energized and healthy and I'd want to sit down with my food and enjoy my food and be present with it. and all these different things. So coming at it from that angle. And then I basically just experimented and I started to, okay, let's eat gluten again and see how you feel. And for me, I actually feel so crappy. So Mm -hmm. I don't eat gluten because if I do, I, you don't want to be around me. I'm not a fun person to be around. I have a headache. I'm moody. I get a little depressed. I get brain fog. So I know that. So it's like kind of exploring that. Okay. So that's not something that I'm going to do. So how do I feel when I do dairy? So for me, it was just this like constant and let me know if this is answering your question, but it was this like constant yeah, yeah, experimentation, try something, let's put it back, blah, 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 blah. But then always coming back to, if I love myself, if I were to love my body, how am I going to approach this? And if I were to love myself and my body, well, I want to enjoy whatever I want to enjoy. I want it to be very intuitive. I want to be able to have treats, have different things, really enjoy. I mean, I'm a huge foodie and travel. Like when you're traveling, you want to eat the cuisine. You have to. You have to. You have to. (laughs) It's like the best, in my opinion, it's like one of the best parts of traveling is food. (laughs) Even I was just in India and it's like 
so freaking good. And Ooh. yeah, you know, so it's like you, you just have to, and it's, it's something that it connects us. It brings a lot of fulfillment to life. So for me, it really just, that's been a big exploration. It's been, okay, I'm going to like try this out again, see how it goes. And then just really recognizing, just recognizing how I feel after I'm eating things, when I'm eating things. Okay. So I did overeat sugar or whatever. I'm noticing I'm like a little bit more addicted to sugar right now. Why is that? Well, one, sugar is just super addicting. And two, well, maybe I'm not connecting with people enough this week. So for me, it's like, it's really this intuitive practice or I'm not getting enough hugs. I'm a big hugger. I'm always like, can I have a hug? So it's things like that. of just <laughs> recognizing, okay, what's actually going on here and deep going deeper into my intuition, my body and my emotions. It manifests as food, but it's not about food. So as soon as I recognize, okay, it's not about food and I want to love myself. I want to love my body. If I, if I were to do that, how would I approach this? And then it's just literally a constant experimentation and it's being really gentle with myself. So if I do eat a lot of sugar or whatever it is and feel bad or I overeat, and then I'm really, I don't know, uncomfortable and full, I just don't beat myself up anymore. Honestly, I've gotten to this place where, oh, like I want to cry because I used to beat myself up so much over every single thing I did and every single mistake I made. And I still don't like making mistakes, Vinny. I really don't like to. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't beat myself up. I'm just, I'm just really aware of that because you mentioned this. I listened to your podcast episode with Greg around we're with ourselves 24 hours, always, every single day. I believe that too. I think about that often. And if I'm always with myself, I don't want to be in those energies of judging myself and beating myself up because I'm the one who has to spend time with me all of the time, you know? So I think about that too of, okay, can I really just enjoy spending company with myself and, and be kind and be loving and just really let those patterns go as much as possible. Mm -hmm. That was long winded. <laughs> no, great answer. It's, it's becoming, I mean, this is what we talked about becoming a better friend to yourself. This, this stoic philosopher Seneca would say like, how do I know that I'm making progress? I'm becoming a better friend to myself. If you are traveling with your best friend and they are not saying like, this is you, but like if you're traveling with your best friend, and they're like, ah, oh, no, I can't. You're in India now. I can't eat naan and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, damn it! You really can't. You can't eat that. And just, you're not that fun to be around. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're your best friend to yourself, like, what do you do? You want to be fun to be around. You want to be positive. You want somebody who is picking you up when you're falling. You want somebody who's just like having a good time and also makes you get the best out of yourself. And to become a better friend yourself is really what could be more important in like this journey. No matter what happens, how would a friend treat you? We're so hard on ourselves. If a friend were to see everything you're doing, how hard you are on yourself, be like, like, why are you beating yourself up with that? Like, mm -hmm. that's not a big deal. You're doing great, doing mm -hmm. fine. Let's go have some non. <laughs> <laughs> like the other day, that has been a huge thing of. Just how mm -hmm. would a friend see you in this situation that you're being like so hard on yourself in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy life. <laughs> yeah. And it's just recognizing your own resiliency too. I've recognized that I've, I've been through so many different things and just recognized 
all right, yeah, if I eat the naan, for example, <laughs> maybe I have a headache tomorrow. Maybe I'm tired. Okay, yeah. you've had so many days with a headache where you're tired. I call myself baby girl. So I'm like, baby girl, like you will be okay. <laughs> we'll get through it. You'll wake up. You know what you'll do. You'll drink some water. You'll get outside. You'll take a shower. Yeah. It's going to be okay. So yeah, it's like really strengthening that positive talk in those moments of like, it is really going to be okay. And, and we're going to, we're going to get through this. We're going to eat this now. We're going to enjoy every bite of it. It's true. It's like, it's also not, I think when you give yourself like the freedom to just enjoy life and mm. a big thing for me is, you know, I used to have rules also of like eat perfectly clean during the week, paleo, the whole thing. And then like on the weekends, pretty much eat whatever you want. So I wanted to, like, I, mm. I, I could pretty much eat anything. I like everything. So pretty off limits so when I I don't know I mean I I do love like all food that's why I love traveling and stuff so mm-hmm. but I would like restrict myself so much and be so intense with dieting and stuff and I was just losing that love food love for life mm-hmm. like why am I doing this instead of you like travel to you know Italy and such like Europe and Japan and mm-hmm. it's like people are eating gluten so much and like drinking wine but they're not doing it to punish themselves it's because mm-hmm. it's, it's part of the culture you eat mm-hmm. less of it you know maybe more frequently less of it better mm-hmm. quality so i think in a big way it's like the stuff in the u.s is not it's just not, mm-hmm. not very good obviously there are so many varieties and options stuff that you can get in the u.s that you really can't get in other places but gluten for example it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's you know it's known as like pretty pretty bad especially in the United States, like just mm-hmm. in general. You go to other cultures and like they're part of the way of life to like in Japan, mm-hmm. you you can't you can't li- you can't exist without eating rice here mm-hmm. like just, or meat pretty much. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard to be vegan. Like meat is in everything. It's just part of the culture. You don't want to lose that love for life because you're restricting yourself so much. And if you actually do, a big part of it is definitely being intuitive and like actually asking yourself questions. How am I feeling from this? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, restricting myself because I want to be a certain way? Or am I, you know, I actually do feel bad. So like, I don't need to eat mm-hmm. gluten all the time. But yeah, I think when you give yourself more freedom, you actually become more controlled. The more you restrict yourself, the more you just want to break free and like go mm-hmm. off the rails instead of not having a strict diet but having more of a foundation of health mm-hmm. it's definitely something that i've started to foster and like look for and try to build on because i i just love vegetables and like i love healthy food and stuff so like after mm-hmm. a while of just like eating unhealthily i'm like just craving a big old salad i know that that is my base layer that i always return to yeah. so like might as well enjoy life as well yeah, and it's the it's the self-trust piece too. That's kind of what I am hearing a little bit and what you're sharing is the going off the rails, eating all sorts of things. You're in Japan, you're going to eat all sorts of things when you're there. I just hope you try all, all the things at least once. Yes. And then it is like it's the self-trust and yeah, I'm establishing this foundation of health within myself. I want to feel good. I love vegetables. I'm going to just naturally trend back to eating vegetables. Mm-hmm. I think a big motivator for me, and I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else uses this as a motivator, or I don't even know if you've thought about this in your, in your life yet. I don't know when this became a motivator. It might just be because I'm like such a maternal person. Maybe when I was like 25, it became a motivator. I really don't know when it 
first dropped in. I'm not a mother. I just can't wait to be a mother. Uh, and I'm like, oh, one day. And I just like mothering in general. And I think it's because of how I was raised. I want to raise my kids differently. But I think a motivator for me is my future kids, especially I would love, 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 love putting it out to the universe yet again to have a daughter one day. Mm. And with that, though, I think about that future, future, future kid, future, 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 not quite yet <laughs> with the daughter and with the, the, the children, the family. What do I want them to experience when it comes to food? And, and body image and all these different things that we're exploring and even expressing our emotions or, or our love or our creativity, writing, all of these things. I think about, okay, how do I want my future kids to be raised? And am I actually embodying that within myself right now? Because little kids look at what you do and they will copy you and they will emulate you. To that point, I think a lot about just the different traditions and things around let's go into food specifically. Well, yeah, I don't want my daughters to see me dieting. I don't want them to see me. I said daughters, maybe I'll have two. There we go. <laughs> don't want my bushel of children to see me dieting. <laughs> my bushel. Oh my goodness. Bushel let's, of children. Ooh, calm down now. Five kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say a bushel. <laughs> <laughs> so basically though, my kiddos. I don't want them to see me dieting. I don't want them to see me restricting. I don't want them to see me being obsessive. I want them to see me enjoying it. I want them to see family dinners and conversation and and just being present with food and, and really soaking that up. So then it's like, okay, let me really work on embodying that myself, whether it's traveling or being with friends or being on my own. And again, letting go of the perfectionism of it because also, I don't want them to see me like being a perfectionist, even though they probably will, because <laughs> let's be honest, but <laughs> I'm working on that one. I don't mind being a perfectionist, honestly, because sometimes it's actually a good thing. It's just your relationship with it. I standards. Oh, yes, exactly. However, that, that's a big motivator of me is my point is it's a big motivator to just think about that and have that perspective. And maybe if anyone's listening and they're a parent, they might really understand or have you ever thought about that personally? Or is that not something that you've thought about yet? Definitely. Yeah, I, I do want a family someday. Pretty excited about it, especially being around little Japanese kids all day. They're mm. very cute. But yes, I think, I mean, definitely something that I'm learning is just, it really doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. 90% of it matters is what you do. And that goes for food and just like what you want to show your kids, but just with everything. As a writer, obviously, I say a lot, but like, I want to write about the stuff that I'm trying to, that I'm working on, I'm trying to embody in the actual world. I don't want to be this person who just spews ideas and thoughts and stuff without like living. This is all contributing to living the best life possible. That's why I love traveling stuff. And writing is kind of the the vehicle to express just how to live glorious life where you're truly enjoying what you're doing and who you're becoming and just the journey of improvement and getting better. I think, yeah, for sure, just with, with family and I was kind of saying just the restrictions of like, this is how things have to be. And just kind of putting up these gates around, you can't have this, can't have that. Instead of just creating a foundation of, of health. And like I was saying, like, just like European cultures of 
you have like a so- small salad, you have, I don't know how to go with the Italy theme, but pasta and like a little bit of dessert, a little bit of wine. And you're just like mm. talking with family and friends for out, not just on the weekends where you're going out to party every night, you're just with your friends for three hours over dinner mm. and like not getting hammered, but just drinking wine casually. And you work the next day. It's like part of just, I don't know, the United States is just very black and white dieting restrictions gym five days a week part this is at least like you know kind of young 20s culture of like and you party on the weekends and then you have the sunday scaries about going to work on monday instead of just bringing more weekend into the week more week into the weekend creating an actual universe of existence that's just harmonious and that you actually enjoy and yeah this goes into kind of figuring out what you truly want to do with your life and passion and stuff but yeah no I appreciate you talking about that just the lifestyle component of things that's something I thought about because I'm very new to Southern California where are you from originally I'm from Maryland oh, I'm from right. yeah, I'm, yeah I'm from all the way I'm on the east coast so I'm from Maryland I actually went to the University of Denver so I went to college in in that's where I did my creative writing yeah I know <laughs> I saw that yeah DU that it. went to Let's DU go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pioneers. Go pioneers. <laughs> Let's go. There's not, there's not a lot of school spirit there. <laughs> they tried. Pretty school though. But Never yeah, been. really beautiful school. And I, I mean, I met my best friend there. So it was an important, yeah, really important time in my life. But it stayed there. And then actually during COVID, I, I had a little tiny taste of San Diego and just fell in love with it. And then was kind of similar to you in Japan. It was a little bit just lingering in the back of my mind. Like, okay, I feel like I'm going to go to San Diego. I just, I feel like I'm meant to be there for whatever reason, but I traveled a lot during COVID and in between that time. And then now I've just gotten here just a few months ago, but something that I've really had to work on is in Southern California. I mean, you grew up in LA. There is a very body image focus and aesthetic focus all around it's been really good for me because it's challenged me to just stand strong in just how I want to approach my body, my relationship with fitness, food, and all of that. Cause I think, you know, it just, it challenges your resiliency in different ways and just, okay, can I stand strong in what I believe in, even if I notice the different, you know, not so healthy patterns around food and fitness in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But I do remember when I was going to India, just being like, oh, I'm so excited to go to India because I've been in San Diego for two months now. And there, there has been a little bit of that trigger around just even going to the gym and everyone's looking at themselves in the mirrors and just, there's such an aesthetic focus of it. I'm like, Oh my God, why are there even mirrors here? Can we just not have mirrors? Can we just be in our bodies and enjoy it? And just working through it on my own. That's interesting. But yeah, but going to India, I was so excited because I was like, Oh yes, I get to go to India. And it was a very, it was focused on Ayurveda and health and wellness and yoga. But I just knew going there and being in Southern India, just the culture of it. There isn't an aesthetic focus on it. It's really around health. It's around feeling good. It's, I was the youngest there. There were women all the way up into their 70s. So it was a really cool, diverse group of women that were going on this trip. But I just remember feeling just so excited to go and be in a different culture that approached food and body image so different. There's a lot of traditional ways that they cook the food. Food has such a different meaning. I mean, yoga has a different meaning in India than it does in the United States. So I think, yeah, yeah there's probably so much that you are getting by living in Japan, living in different countries, experiencing these cultures. And no matter where you end up settling, 
it's going to be a really beautiful influence on your future family and just who you are as an individual, because you're able to be exposed and really taking in all of these different ways that are, are different than you, you mentioned the black and white mentality of the United States that can be a little bit more rigid and maybe a little bit more aesthetic driven or, or goal driven, if you will. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I have nothing against the United States. <laughs> it sounds like I'm bagging on it a little bit, but there's so many positives that, you know, the rest of the world does not have. Mm-hmm. It, for sure. Yeah. I lived in San Diego during COVID while I wrote Heirs of Youth and I mean, amazing place. One of the most prettiest and just nicest places to live. It's kind of part of it. I'm like, wow, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I've earned this yet. Like, you know, maybe I have like a family here one day or something, but I need a little bit more. I mean, I've always wanted to live in a bustling city, which is I never really experienced in LA, um, where you could just like walk out your door and just be in sights and everything. So that's what kind of got me here. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're in such a beautiful place where sun is always shining and you could go to the beach every day and it is definitely many obviously health benefits you look great being there just being in the sun and going to the ocean every day and stuff so i'm jealous of your tan because i am losing <laughs> mind of it the cold winter months here but yeah it definitely is like everybody's in shape you go out and it's just like wow it's just overwhelming and it's mm-hmm. like it's such a focus on how you look but what's really going on underneath the surface there like what does health really mean that is definitely something that traveling opens up your mind to just different Mm -hmm. cultures and just different there isn't one even though you know we all know what we grew up with what our family tells us what we're supposed to want but there isn't one correct way to do anything to Mm -hmm. live think religion anything that is definitely something that traveling opens you up to I think if you're in your younger 20s and mid 20s, anytime, like traveling, you got to find a way to make it happen. It just, or else you'll just have this limited perspective. Mm, Absolutely. Anytime, anytime though, because I'm in my late 20s and I'm saying there were women in 75 on this trip that I just went on. And so inspiring. 60s, 70s, still learning, still traveling. It's any time. I think in your 20s, it's a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. if you will. You don't have family, kids. But I think at at any point, if you have the ability to, I would definitely agree with you. I think it's amazing that you're living in another place for a year and maybe beyond. That's going to be incredible for you. Yeah, for sure. It is. I mean, I'm I'm teaching an 81-year-old Japanese man English one of my classes lunch together it was great (laughs) and it's it's like perennial Mm -hmm. learner he's there learning english just for the yeah he's like he's all super into it and wow that is just it's never too late to start anything to do anything Mm. and like we think you know i think as as young people we think and just the way we're like we're raised to think you have to work until retirement then you retire and you just enjoy life at that point instead of being in like, you know, finding something that you genuinely connect with in life. And like that, when you find that, you don't want to stop, you don't want to retire. That mm-hmm. is the thing that keeps you alive. That's what keeps you young, you know, mm-hmm. when you get older. Yeah, with traveling, it's like obviously just the seasons. There's seasons of our life. Like, you know, you're in your 20s. You, that's just a, it's a certain type of traveling. Like, you'll never mm-hmm. get 
you know, if you're, you're 40, you're not going to be able to travel the same way you would at mm. 20. It's definitely different, but by no means any worse. It mm. is just a different experience. If you can't have those experiences in those different seasons, it is something you can't really get back. Mm. But obviously it is, it's a lifelong journey in all of this. So it's, you know, it's never like a better time to do something, but. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. It is, it is different. And there's definitely huge differences between myself versus the women who were in their sixties and seventies and their approach to traveling and their needs and, and all of that stuff. But I love that. Oh my gosh, you're teaching an 81 year old. That's amazing. <laughs> Uchi. He's great. Uchi. <laughs> Uchi. <laughs> wow. What a cool yes. experience. It is funny. How long were you in India? I was in India for three weeks. Gotcha. And that was, what yeah. was pretty recent? That was recently. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, I actually did a Toastmaster speech on my India trip. It was six and a half minutes, just a little more storytelling about some experiences I had. And then I did a podcast episode, a little bit kind of encapsulating my experiences there. I've, this is my second time in India. Have you been? I'm not. Oh, is it yeah. on your list? Oh yeah. Big time. Okay. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so just amazing. I mean, I've only been to Kerala. So Kerala, and I can't say only, I mean, it's a huge privilege. I've been to India, but, but India is a huge country, right? So I've been to Kerala, which is Southern India mm-hmm. on the Southern Southwest of India. It's, it's coastal. It's amazing. It's very authentic. They're wearing the traditional clothing, more traditional food. Have you heard of Ayurveda at all or Ayurvedic? Okay. So Ayurveda so. is basic. It's like India's, I guess, healing system. It uses food as medicine, supplements, lifestyle practices, body treatments to really bring your body back into harmony. I think you used the word harmonious earlier. I'm a, I love that word harmonious and harmony. And so it's all about, yeah, harmonizing your body and just helping to to just bring wellness in. But I, I love the approach because I've always leaned towards, since I was younger, more Eastern medicine approaches to things. I really like it because it's more focused on the holistic side of things versus here's a prescription for said symptom. Mm-hmm. And they do that so well. And when you're seeing these Ayurvedic doctors and they're very much assessing your whole entire being, they're taking your pulse, looking at your tongue, looking at your eyes, looking at your ears, they're looking at your intestines, they're hearing how you're speaking, and they're just really assessing you as a, an entire individual. And then they have their different systems and trainings around how to assess what imbalances are going on. Then you have different Ayurvedic treatments when you're there, which are like body treatments, like oil massage treatments and different herbs and things. And then you know, you'll get herbal supplements you're taking, and then you're using the food to balance things out. And I felt amazing. I always feel amazing when I'm there. And then the people, I mean, I could, I'll just keep this short because I could probably talk for so long. I mean, think of my my episodes, like 90 minutes where I talk about India and I could have just kept going, but it's really, and I don't know if you're experiencing this in Japan. I've never been to Japan. So I'd be curious, but in India, people make eye contact with you and, and this is Southern India. Okay. So again, I cannot speak to Northern India because I haven't been there. But in mm-hmm. Southern India, they make eye contact and they're so genuine. It's a, there's a very genuine energy of excited to see you. They treat you like you are interconnected. You're, you're there, you're both humans. 
they're, they're excited to say hello or have a conversation or help you out. I just love that about the culture there and being there. You just feel really welcome and really seen. And my soul came back to life. I was just so loving to people. They were so loving to me. I made so many connections with people there. I feel like there's this connection you can make where you don't really have to know the language because there's eye contact, because there's the openness. People are open to the connection. People are still living with their families. There's just different, different ways of living there. It's beautiful. It's also very impoverished, as you can imagine. So you see, I mean, you see like the wealthiest places in the world. I mean, not quite in Southern India, but you see very wealthy places or, you know, people traveling very luxury travel next to total poverty. And then you'll see cows on the side of the road and and beggars, but then people who are well off and it's just all kind of mixed together. And then you have the cities and there's not the cleanliness you have in the U S. So it's just like, I mean, it's a, I don't even know if I'm describing it well, but it's like, you're in a, obviously a different part of the world. (laughs) It's just so different. You know, it's so, yes, it's so, so, so different. The energy is different. As soon as you're there, you're like, whoa, the energy is different here. And then it starts to work with you. And I feel like you just, there's an openness that you can experience there if you are open to it. Mm -hmm. And I just highly recommend, I mean, it's a really beautiful place. The people are really beautiful. There's a lot of culture still intact. The food's incredible. You can eat with your hands. Okay, I'm going to stop because I'll just keep going. But there's... (laughs) (laughs) You eat your hands, right? It's the best. Yes. Yes. And I've always been a hand eater. It used to be something my mom used to yell at me for growing up. She would be like, Shannon, use your fork. I'd be like, mom, (laughs) no. It's not gonna happen. So, so yeah, so I go to India and I'm like, oh, full permission, no utensils. And they teach yeah. you how to eat with your hands. And it's actually a really cool thing, just going into some culture things that I thought was fascinating and made so much sense is you eat with your you eat with your dominant hand. So say you're you're right-handed, you eat with your right hand. And then when you're using the bathroom, you always wipe with your left hand. So they, they have right. these things woven into the culture, right? So you're not like worried about obviously people are washing their hands. I mean, yeah. obviously, but but people are washing <laughs> their hands. But you don't have to worry about that because it's woven into the culture of you eat with your right hand and you enjoy your food with your right hand and then you wipe with your left hand. And so you wash your hands, but you never have to worry about it getting mixed up because that's just, it's integrated into the culture. And then I feel like, you know, speaking to like healing relationship with food, when you're touching your food and you're connecting with your food in that way, just helps you to form more of a connection with your food and with nourishing your body and getting your senses involved. So there's a lot yeah. to experience in India. Definitely it's, go when you amazing. can. <laughs> yeah. It's like a more primal just way to connect with what you're doing and what you're eating. And yeah, I mean, definitely want to experience that. It sounds insane. And just realizing that like, I think India's some of the happiest people in the world and like they have nothing. Definitely something that I am just interested in. Obviously it's a huge thing, but what brings happiness? Is it traditional success of making money and everything and I don't know definitely something that I'm mm. not it's not like a total clash even just saying is it's tough like I want to be successful in traditional mm-hmm. sense just definitely trying to focus in on why like what does success mean to me why do I want the things that I want what mm. makes you what actually makes you happy what sort of life would be sustainable instead of just kind of pursuing these things that we're supposed to pursue just because we're supposed to, 
and mm-hmm. supposed to make us happy, like, you know, the pay raises and things that look good to other people. But then you go to places like India, and I talk to in Lisbon, there's lots of Brazilians. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my coworkers at the hostel is this Brazilian, just the most just exuberant, coolest guy, like always smiling, always mm-hmm. talking to guests and just asking about where they're from. I had him on the podcast, Bruno, shout out. Mm-hmm. And um, just talked about it in Brazil, like it's, you know, the, some of the poorest people in the world, but they're like the happiest. They're just known as like, they're always laughing. They have the family, the friends, always just joking. And it's like very, you know, Rio de Janeiro is extremely like dangerous. And like, mm-hmm. obviously there's poverty that you can't imagine. Same with India, but still they have the things that are important to them. African cultures too are like some of the happiest primal cultures in the world because they haven't been touched by this need to fill our lives and the holes in our spirit with more things instead of that that intangible thing that you experience there yeah absolutely and it's just the connecting and the being and the the humanity and all of it so I would ask you if you're exploring that for yourself what are some tangible things right outside of the, I guess the material success, what are some things that as that happens for you that you can anchor back in or that you've explored that do bring you joy in the everyday? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of my biggest inspirations just as of late is this writer, Ryan Holiday, Mm. who uh, just, have you heard of him? My dad likes him a lot. Yeah. Ah, nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's, his whole thing is about Stoic philosophy. That's why mm-hmm. I'm throwing in a couple of Stoic uh, quotes on this podcast so far. Oh, I, I get those uh, in my family texts from my dad daily. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, but he, I mean, I really look up to him because his whole thing is he, as a young, early in his career, he worked at American Apparel. He's like mm. the right hand man or it's like the, the hot shot to this, you know, the CEO. I'm not I'm not really sure what happened to America Pearl, but apparently it was this huge fiasco and the CEO just blew up and anyways, mm. he realized that, you know, success, traditional success, even these people who kind of seem to have it all are some of the most just tormented people. And I've experienced that firsthand as well. Like mm. incredible wealth does not by any means bring happiness. Mm. And so what I'm kind of pursuing and what I've kind of realized does really make me happy is I've really just to simplify. Like at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> my apartment is quite small. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's a little studio. Is it a studio? It's a studio. Yes. Yeah. So this is it. And I am quite happy here. It's, mm. I got, if it starts to get, you know, a little bit cluttered, like I, I know then it's time to mm. simplify. I have no real desire to like buy more clothes. Like I'm very satisfied with my, my wardrobe. It's things that each piece really brings me a lot of joy. Like I'm by no means like a, I want nothing. And it's, I'm on this journey as much as anybody else. I love clothes. Used to love shopping when I was a kid, getting new stuff. And I thought the big house was the thing that I wanted. Having a big house seems so cool. Like, wow, mm. so big. <laughs> Yeah, just realizing that like with with clothes and a big part of that is just I love like style and mm. like each piece that I have like means something to me. Each mm. one is like kind of been on an adventure and like mm. I, I wear it and like it's 
emotional attachment. And like, I don't want to just buy something new just uh just because I can. I want to really cherish the things that I do have, kind of buff up my shoes if they're like, if they're dirty and be in it together like with my clothes almost. As human beings, we're not fresh and new all the time. We're, we might get beaten up. <laughs> Never made this analogy, but beaten up like a pair of shoes and like, then you, you have that experience and then you, you buff them up, you clean them, take them to the shoe repair and that gives them more charm and character than like a new pair of shoes, in my opinion. Mm. Um, yes. So in one sense, so yeah, simplifying and just kind of realizing that it's not the stuff that makes me happy. I still love stuff, but I want them to mean something. I'm kind of a minimalist in that regard and realizing that I don't need much space. I'd love to be able to just have like a small apartment where I'm like not paying much and mm. be able to go outside and take a bike ride and like explore the city all afternoon instead of having a big house to hang out in all day, which is nothing against it. Like I definitely by no means like against traditional success. Wealth does bring freedom. That's what I'm realizing is like the reason I do want to be successful in that sense is because it'll give me more freedom to do the things which actually make me happy. At this stage, I'm obviously teaching English. Writing isn't paying the bills yet. But I do eventually like, hope to podcasting, writing, mm. the universe that I'm kind of working on creating. I hope to be sustaining me mm. just so I could have the freedom to not have to do things I don't want to do the rest of my life. Like I want the money and the pursuits to like, be able to enjoy life and to just be free. So simplifying and figuring out what that is, is a big part of that. What actually makes me happy? What are the things that I want to do that only that only I could do writing this kind of stuff is and then I think for everybody we all have something like that if we like really dig deep and mm. try to find what that thing is but there is something that only each of us can do and can give to the world and that is that need to create and give and be imaginative is mm. what we fill with money and things and the things that don't really make us happy to tie it all together, I mean, just realizing that simple life of just the things that we could all share, like being out in nature, hiking, friendship, like that is stuff that is important. Fostering those things, taking care of that stuff early in life, as opposed yeah. to looking back and realizing that I messed up and I was focused mm -hmm. on the wrong things. Yeah. You know, they do go hand in hand. This idea of traditional success, this is what I should want. Nothing against that whatsoever, but realizing what you want it for, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, I hear so many people, I was in a program at the start of this year, it was like a business development program. There's a lot of male mentors in it, a lot of male mentors in their 40s and 50s, I would say. And I kid you not, every single one of them just kept giving the advice of just don't chase the money or the numbers or these goals, because what's going to end up happening is you're going to get into your forties or fifties and realize that you're miserable. And all of them had those experiences. And so I just sat there. I mean, I don't always relate to a 40 year old man, but you know, just, just relating to, to his, Not in the usual sense. Yeah. 
his wisdom, the, the wisdom I just, I just, I, I notice, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I pay a lot of attention. So I, I notice things people share and, and when they click dots for me and I just over and over again, I would have these calls with these mentors or they would say it in our weekly calls and they were all saying the same exact story in their own different ways of, yeah, we chase success or we chase this or we built this business and it got to these numbers and we looked around us and we had the house and, and the wife and the family and all of the things and the success, the quote unquote success. And we were miserable. And even a guy in our Toastmasters speaks to this too. He had a very similar epiphany and I think a lot of people do. So to your oh, point, yeah. just recognizing as soon as, as soon as possible, because I, I don't like when people, I just don't want anyone listening. You know, if you are in your thirties or forties or sixties or seventies, to say to yourself, oh, it's too late. It's like whenever you recognize it, you recognize it. Yeah. So just just be there. But then also recognizing and looking at yeah, what actually brings me joy. And, and like you said, having clothing that has meaning to it and getting on your bike and connecting with your relationships and doing the work that you genuinely love doing even before you have reached the success with it or you're fully supporting yourself with it, doing it now. I think is hugely important. And then once the success does come in financially and just supports this, this freedom lifestyle that you want to create and the travel lifestyle you want to create, it's like a win-win, you know, it just is. <laughs> For sure. I think I like get, I think the doing the thing that you love, like before it, it has to come before the success or else. Yes. Right. Is there another way? Like if, if you are already successful, and you try to start doing this thing, maybe you'd be doing it thinking that, I don't know, I'm trying to say it, but like thinking that it was basically like as a writer now, I know that part of what makes my like style unique or whatever mm -hmm. is that I am actively seeking just pretty much what gives me the fuel to write is like this, this quest to figure out the stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. and not really like figure it out but just this quest to pursue it and hopefully shine some light on it and give other people answers it's not like I'm trying to tell you like this is how things should be but we're on this journey together I'm trying to figure it out and this is what this is what I am writing about and you know with podcasts and everything as soon as like it starts to I start doing it because I think I'm appealing to a certain audience or I'm making even you know money could be definitely complicates things in certain ways but also it is freedom so mm -hmm. like when you lose i heard a really good quote of just if you start going away from what you like actually believe and like just to appeal to a certain audience and to pretty much say what they want you to say mm. you go away from what made you like successful in the first place the thing that made you successful is saying like what only you can say which mm. comes from a place of love or actual curiosity mm. pretty much like what i what i love more than anything is just intellectual curiosity like i'm just mm. curious about these things and that's why i love history and philosophy psychology and stuff because it's interesting and if i could like make a life of pursuing what it means to be human as i am one myself and <laughs> And I'm going through it. That sounds like a worthwhile existence. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. And for you, it's 
Yeah. It's just for you. There's, it's what lights you up is unique to you. But I also think that seeing you, even for me, it's like, you've inspired me a ton. That's why I asked you to be on the podcast. I'm like, Oh, this dude, he's living in Japan. I've, he's written a book. He's writing his second book. He writes poetry. He's writing on medium. He's doing all of these things that I'm doing and want to be doing. This is really inspiring to me. And it doesn't look exactly like what you do. Cause I don't do photography and there's different things that are my passions, but mm. seeing somebody take the steps, even going back to the beginning of this interview, you wanted to go to Japan. You waited three years. Now you're, you're here. And this is this season of your journey and you're soaking it up and you're being present and you're teaching an 81 year old English and little kids English and you're eating the food and you're living in this tiny apartment and you know, you're, you're doing it and you're, you're, you're with it. It's so important because when people see people taking the steps and doing the things and experimenting and exploring with it, it's, oh, let me open up my eyes to what's also possible for me. Oh, maybe I really want to teach English somewhere. I really want to write poetry. That's been something for me. It's been, it's been really nice to see other people write poetry because for whatever reason, like I really want to write poetry not for whatever reason, it's part of my soul, I guess. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's like seeing these different things and then it plants seeds into somebody else's mind and heart. And then they can start to do it in their own unique ways. The money will follow. The success will follow. It's just inevitable. What did you say earlier? It just keeps getting better. You said something like that, or life keeps getting better. Or... Best days are ahead of us. So Best I'm days. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Best days are ahead of us. <laughs> so if you're constantly pursuing the things that light you up, that genuinely bring you joy, you're doing them, you're letting the success follow, then it's just the ripple effect of giving other people permission to do the same in their own unique ways. But if we're not doing that, if we're holding back, or if you're, you know, say you were still living in California, even though you're like, oh, right now I don't really want to be in California, then Vinny, you would be more suppressed, not quite happy, kind of like, oh, what's going on here? But there's something that shifts because now you're in Japan and even though you're still figuring things out and it's not perfect, nothing's perfect, you're writing your book, you're doing the things. And then that energy that you exude now gets to inspire other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said, you want to write your book. You're, you're getting like all the, you're getting lots of signals. It's mm-hmm. telling you. And also you want to write poetry and like you're getting all these signals. You don't know why you want to do it, but you feel like you have to. Oh yeah. That's, so I heard Stephen Pressfield is one of my favorite authors. You read the the War of Art. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, it's link to it. Like okay. if there's one book that everyone should read, it's that. Especially okay. if you want to do anything creative. Just listening to him on Joe Rogan currently, one of my favorite authors. He said we all have just a well. We all have a river of creativity of life just flowing underneath us. If mm. we don't kind of listen to those voices not the voices but if we don't take those just little hits of like you should do this you want to write poetry you're not doing it that that river will diverge into like suffering and you'll just Mm. be confused even though you don't know why you want to do these things but you're getting signals from the universe telling you you have to do it Mm. and if you don't do that you'll might end up like the 40 year old man or woman who looks back and it's like, I never took that chance. Like I was mm. something I wanted to so bad, 
Like, what could my life have been if I just took one small step to mm. pursue that thing? And if you don't, that river, if you do just take a small step, it just flows into the ocean of, you know, mm. got all types of rivers flowing into that ocean. And you know what it's going to create in there. Don't want it to diverge into, you know, frustration, confusion, and just regret. Mm. got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I know my, and, and I do feel the universe life will keep giving you the signs and then it just becomes frustrating. So you're like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I'm going to write the book. Okay. Like I was and, starting to get text messages, just random text messages, random numbers being like, Hey, you want to write a best-selling novel? Hey, do you want literally? Really? <laughs> yes. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do. And then I would, I would be in a car. I remember the first, the first time it dropped in and I had so much resistance to it at this time around. I was, I was driving with a gentleman, not randomly. He was, he was driving me. <laughs> I had myself in a car with a four-year-old gentleman. Honestly, I get myself in the weirdest situation. So, I mean, it was all safe. It was good. I was basically, I dropped my car off to get service and he was, he was a transport taking me back. And so we're talking and he, he asks me, this was, I think, four years ago, I was still in Denver. He asks me about my life story. And so I start to share blah, 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 tell him more about it. And he looks at me and he goes, so I just want to let you know, young, young woman, I guess he works in a church and he goes, he might be a pastor or something. I can't remember exactly, but he's like, I am a very religious man. I, and you know, whatever anyone connects to, but he's like, I really connect to God. God speaks through me. And I don't say this lightly. You need to write a book. And I remember I looked at him and I was like, dang it, I know, but I really don't want to. And I had a story, Vinny, I'm such a bad writer, writing so hard for me. I don't want to write. I like speaking. I don't want to write. I have to write a whole book. And so, but that was the first time it dropped in. Then I was like, okay, noted. And then since then, it's just been like ping, 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 ping. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're going to sit your booty down. You're going to figure this out. It's going to happen. And so now it's like taking the steps to... To help and actually I'm gonna work with a woman who's gonna kind of help help me out because I do really well with bouncing off of somebody else. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. I was like, okay, I'm hiring her in January. She's gonna help me write this thing. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not in my 40s being like Shannon really. But I, I don't operate that way anyway, but still. That is what the war of art is about. It's, he mm-hmm. coins the term resistance and mm-hmm. like it's it's the thing that makes us do anything but you know, our creative endeavors. I think you'll, you'll love it for sure. And, you know, obviously it's, it's not easy. You have everything else in life going on and like, can't drop everything, but something that I've just been like writing during Airs of Youth, I pretty much had the time just to focus everything I had on writing it. Mm. Now I'm doing what most writers throughout history have done and they're writing a book like with a full-time job and I don't even have kids or anybody else to think about just the only way to really do it is to take the smallest steps possible and create momentum mm. so i'm just pretty like two crappy pages a day as opposed to like mm. trying to make it perfect which might be tough for perfectionists to do because like you want to make everything you want to make it you think it's going to be this is the book like i want to make it incredible mm-hmm. honestly all you have to do is start getting it down the smaller the better probably don't try to think about and this is for anything just take the the pressure off of even having to make it good even having to make it a book like start with the first page start with one line of poetry 
first <laughs> stanza of a song, mm. anything, a sketch, momentum is more important than just getting it perfect, especially in the beginning, just getting the ball rolling. And then once you get into the mindset of this is something that I do every day, continuously, just little by little, you just can't imagine what it will snowball into. You could always go back and whittle it down and you should once it's all said and done, but it's like the momentum of actually keeping the thing and like having it present on your mind, something that gives you joy, like to have something that you're focusing on, like a project that's outside of work, that's outside of, mm-hmm. it's a lot, it takes you outside of life and just gives you something to focus on creatively that inspires you every day is a gift. You got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And for anyone else who has something on their mind, take the small step. You're right. Cause it is the, it's, it's all small steps really. It's the only way to do it. It's yeah. The only way to do it. Okie dokie. Well, I've had you on for a while. So we're going to, we're going to dive into the final eight questions and these just, Great. just answer, answer instinctually. However, however you want. The first one, and and we did speak to this, but out of curiosity, what is something simple that brings you a lot of joy? Mm, My pen. (laughs) Oh. Yes. I like that answer. What a creative answer. I mean, for a writer, it's kind of, it's true. I've had this pen for a couple of years. It's a good pen. It's a good pen. (laughs) It's a bit aged. That's, I mean, I think just part of my whole philosophy of like, I love something that's been on journeys with me. Mm-hmm. You could see it on like the first page of Errors of Youth for the part one California. I think it's in the journal. That's the one. Love it. Number two, what is one thing that you love about yourself? I think I care about my friends a lot. Mm-hmm. Number three. All right. Well, you've shared some, so share, share a new one. What is a quote or affirmation that really speaks to your soul and keeps you going? Mm. There's one that is just for, it's kind of been the philosophy for just creative endeavors and everything. You accrue incremental wisdom as you implement your flawed plan. Mm incremental wisdom. I like it. All right. So these next two, so they go to the podcast title, Unmasked and Open-Hearted. First one going to Unmasked. What is a figurative mask that you're actively taking off inside of your life? And what does that look like? Uh, I think for me, just the whole perfect athlete persona Mm. of like, I have to be in, in great shape big part of it is just if I'm not in great shape like who who am I really if I did gain 50 pounds would I still be Vinny Van Patten I still have that that mask of like trying to you know trying to be perfect in physical Mm. regard and I don't think it's the healthiest it's definitely it's getting better so that's Mm. that's good yeah Mm. thank you for sharing and going into open-hearted what helps you open up your heart? <sighs> I was going to say weed. Can't do that here. That's a California thing. Mm. Uh, smoking weed. I uh, haven't done that in a while. I was get very emotional. 
here just I mean crying talking mm. with like have some some great cries with with Greg even though can't be here together we had some virtual cries just mm. a couple of weeks ago back was not feeling good and yeah needed him just having a good friend there yeah that's amazing it's amazing to have a friend like that that you can really lean on for all sorts of things I mean it can literally save your life it's beautiful you have that friendship who is a woman who inspires you and why my mom she has kind of been the the wise owl like to Mm. say just in this whole journey that my dad is definitely the the motivator definitely very influenced by and inspired by my mom has always been just my rock Mm. i go to her when just dealing with troubles Mm. and yeah she's we've been on journey together this whole Mm. experience of body perfection and Mm. writing and everything Mm. amazing if you could give your younger self some words of wisdom what would you say to him just take the pressure off Mm. that I just tell myself now but I was probably feeling more of like I had to do certain stuff and everything seemed much more weighty at the time and even though I'm doing more important stuff now Mm. at the time like everything just felt so important deciding what school to go to friends I was like so nervous in the high school with like basketball games and stuff just trying to be perfect obviously none of it matters are you just trying hard are you just enjoying life take the pressure off take Mm. the pressure off it's it'll all work out Mm. I love that final question sure what are the two songs that you are going to add to the unmasked and open-hearted Spotify playlist. <laughs> oh, excited. Times Like These, Jack Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is one of my all-time favorites. Whole album is great. Okay, what album is that? I guess I could find on, it out. On and On. Okay, cool. Yes, and Mr. Rager, Kid Cudi. Oh. Yes. Okay. Any any words about either of those songs or just Yeah. You? Jack Johnson. I mean that do you know Jack Johnson? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've actually seen him in concert. Really? Oh I, yeah. I've not. Good. Oh amazing. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, sounds incredible. Yeah, that just reminds me of being a kid young in Aspen, Colorado at mm. A skate park like my brother like friends and that album <laughs> that's recorded but just that album and like that song just always brings me peace and just like whatever going through jack johnson just makes life so simple times like these times like those what'll be will be mm. so it goes on mm. and on just keeps going mm. so enjoy the simple things I like it. And what about Mr. Rager? Mr. Rager, Kid <laughs> Cudi is just my all-time fave. I remember listening to that album, Man on the Moon 2, in 10th grade history class. 
just finished a test. I was like waiting to listen to it. Pop the headphones in. That song. I love just nostalgia, just like remembering mm. old times and stuff that brought me happiness. And Mr. Rager is just like, you know, the lyrics, birds seen flying around. You never see them too long on the ground. You want to be one of them. And just this mentality of like getting out in the world. Kid Cudi just has this kind of otherworldly kind of persona and presence of like man on the moon and, you know, celestial bodies and just spiritual aspect to it i've always mm. been really interested in man woman a human being on the journey that maybe people don't understand but music mm. i'm sure it sounds like you love music is the thing mm. that you know even when you're by yourself you could find so much wisdom and inspiration to carry on like mm. even if you feel at your lowest and you think nobody else sees you and you I just love like being anywhere in the world and like having those music, having those songs to, mm-hmm. to help me carry on. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, I, I believe that we can be in a relationship with different songs. So you just proved my, proved my experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Yeah. You like literally have, you form a relationship with different songs and those ones have been with you for a while and then you can keep leaning on them in different elements of your life or you listen to a song and it brings you back to something or there's certain songs that pump you up or certain songs you listen to when you're sad or even, you know, when you're writing or being creative and they're just such a gift. I think songs are such a freaking gift. I would not be oh. here if it weren't for music. So for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, Vinny, thank you so much for just your time and everything that you've shared and just everything you're putting out into the world, everyone listening, definitely either I listened to Eras of Youth on Audible, but I know if you get the actual book, there's photography in it. So do whatever you prefer. If you want to see the photos, maybe get the actual book and maybe I'll get the book one day too, but I just knew I'd be able to get through it if I listened to it in time for the interview. So definitely get your book. And I know you also, you write on medium and then you do a blog on your website and you also have a newsletter people can sign up for as well. Correct. Yes, that is correct. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, if you, any means you read the book that whatever you like to do, audio, <laughs> visual. Yes. I have a newsletter called Citoyen du monde, <laughs> which means mm. citizens of the world. And it's pretty much just my exploration of being a human being on planet earth. And it, you know, it brings together what I'm learning from my travels. So I publish, like you get it every Friday and pretty much has like my writing from the week, what I'm reading, some big reader, um, podcast episode, and just like some travel photography or some music lyrics or something to inspire you a little flavor to the weekend mm, yeah it's a really well-written newsletter I loved obviously the musical lyrics yes, <laughs> I was like Ooh, that's my favorite part yeah. love that yeah I yes. really liked it I got I was like oh I love that he does musical lyrics that's great because we don't usually see the the videos to like these songs we know so well I'm like mm. when I started like seeing the like the videos are so cool do you know that spot do you see like Spotify will add the lyrics so you can see the lyrics oh yeah yeah. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> and I love I do. the little like animations that they play. I know. I do too. They're doing great. They're, they are doing great. I love great work. I love Spotify. But yeah, I'll do I'll do a little like karaoke with myself with the with the lyrics. I really appreciate them putting the lyrics mm. in there. 
Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for just your time, your energy for everyone. All of Vinny's links will be in the show notes, his website, his Instagram link to purchase his book, all that good stuff. And if you did enjoy this conversation, if something that Vinny shared inspired you, I encourage you to let him know, send him a message on Instagram or email him because it's just really nice we record this conversation, but then to know people are listening and being inspired in these different ways or something clicked in in a different way, it means a lot. So I encourage you to get connected with him. He loves authentic human connection. True. So let him know. And we appreciate you listening. Yes. Thank you so much, Shannon. This was awesome. I think it was almost (laughs) (laughs) time just flew by though. That was like, haven't had conversation with that a long time. So thank you for everything you are doing as well for having me on.